Hi, and welcome to the final episode in our summer series where we focus on true crime and paranormal cases in Lotus Land, LA, Hollywood. Welcome to Happy Hour Gets Holly Weird. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Gets Weird. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And I've already said what this is, so hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, hey. How come my voice did like a puberty crack when I introduced <laughs> myself? Every time. It, we're just not good at intros. Another one of our talents God. we don't have. We can't spell. We can't spell. And we can't say hello We properly. can't say hello. It's all right. So. Seems like basic skills that we should have honed by now. Well. Whatever. Yeah. You don't love me at my hello. You don't deserve my goodbye. That doesn't make any sense. No, See, it's, you don't deserve us at our cheers to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This week is our last episode of our summer series. Happy, Happy hour. hour gets Holly weird. I, we, we could have said the whole thing together. Oh, okay. Well, it's, well, it's all right. Good days and bad days. If you couldn't tell by now, we're pros. <laughs> so um, this week we are drinking a pina colada. And it's delicious. The amount of maraschino cherries in mine should be illegal. But listen, if maraschino cherries are wrong, I don't want to be right. You're you're not right. Maraschino cherries are poison. I will gladly eat a whole jar of them. Happily. That's why we work out so well together. Because if we're ever out somewhere and we get a drink with maraschino cherries, you can have all of mine. Yes. It's perfect. I love it. Anyways, this drink is so good. Our recipe is uh, uh will be on our social media accounts instagram sometimes twitter um so if you want to see a picture of it and if you are feeling like making a pina colada check out our um, social media at happy hour gets weird pod we're on twitter and instagram and i think today our instagram followers surpassed surpassed our twitter followers they did mm-hmm. um interesting okay so if you don't know already i kind of uh, I'm behind the Instagram. Tiffany's behind the Twitter. We mix and match sometimes. But for the most part, Tiff deals with Twitter. I deal with Instagram. And we have like this little healthy competition between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Who could, who is having more followers? At the end of the day, I, we don't care about followers. No. Um, but it is fun to, but to it be is a little fun. competitive. It is fun to be competitive because at the end of the day, if you have more Twitter, fo- Twitter followers, I have more Twitter followers. Twitter followers. Yes. And I can't say Twitter. That's why I'm on Instagram. And if we have more Instagram, if I have more Instagram followers, you yeah, then have more Instagram also, followers. Also, I feel like it's a not fair situation because Instagram is so fun and Twitter is like a tornado. Twitter will rip you a new asshole. Yeah. If it's you need terrifying. It. I'm afraid Sometimes to post if you don't literally <laughs> anything. So before we get into our episode, did you want to talk about... Yeah. I was just going to talk about it. Okay, let's do it. Um, so the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo, that fucking monster, had his hearing yesterday. Yeah, piece of shit. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I wa- we live in Northern California, so it was on our local news live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched it. I watched it on a law channel. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, so it, maybe it was broadcast like mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very, um, it was intense. It was fucking intense. Yeah. He pleaded. There's a lot of graphic details. Oh, 
yes. and D'Angelo acting like he's this like withering, oh my fragile old man. I just wanted to walk into that room and hit him in the face with a fucking shovel. Oh my gosh, it was the, it was the worst. He's such a piece of shit. He really is a piece of hot garbage. And I feel like we should just throw him in the fire dumpster that's 2020 and just let him burn with Fuck the rest him. of the dress. Seriously. Because Fuck him. He just, okay, first things first. There was a lot of details that we weren't privy to as a public because it was still like an ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. And I find it genius that um, detectives used an empty garbage truck to pick up his trash so he was totally unsuspecting mm-hmm. he thought it was just like a regular garbage truck mm-hmm. and then they're like boom gotcha bitch yeah so I feel like I learned that detail which was which is pretty interesting because I was just thinking they just like snuck up to his garbage in the dark and well Paul Hull says said that right I believe the situation was right before he retired he wanted to go and say something like do an interview mm-hmm. and he was outside of his house, but then he didn't, he didn't, uh, actually follow through with that because he didn't want to scare him off. Yeah. Yeah. Trip t- tip him off. And he, and Paul holes hot for hashtag hot for holes. Yeah. Um, also said that when they were watching D'Angelo the entire time, he was super active doing yard work, riding on his motorcycle, mm-hmm. doing all of this shit. Yeah. And then, you know, he gets arrested and he plays this withering old man card. Who can't keep his eyes open and his who mouth also is gaping. Was, yeah. Okay. So I have a family member who lives in his neighborhood. Did I tell you that before? Yes, you did. Oh, I have. Anyways, she walks. She's an avid walker. She walks the neighborhood. She's crossed paths with him mm-hmm. many a time. Yeah. And every time she's crossed paths, it's because he's working in his front yard. Mm-hmm. She said that he works vigorously, moving giant boulders to mow underneath them, moving them back, yeah. getting in and out of trucks and vehicles, he was, and he's always totally riding fine. his motorcycle yeah. in the neighborhood. And you know, I feel like this act is such bullshit, and it's so disrespectful. Like, if you're gonna own it, fucking own it. Yeah, don't act like you're this feeble, um, gaping mouth nodding off sleepy grandpa that's just like like it's just the same thing I wanted to literally spray him with a fire hose full blast he was definitely trying to trying to injure himself after arrest he like you could tell he just doesn't want to he didn't want to survive the trial basically I wonder if because I wonder if the whole like trying to injure yourself was uh he was setting a precedent for mental instability or if he actually wanted to injure injure himself we'll never know he's well I think that he's one of the rare cases where he didn't want he never wanted to talk about his crimes he Mm -hmm. never wanted it out there which is so rare for somebody who's a serial predator yeah usually boasts yeah usually at the end of the day those people want to talk about what happened when they are caught and they want to you know get that attention get that validation yeah and in his case I think that he actually never wanted any of this stuff to come to the light of day. Mm -hmm. So I think that he was hoping that he would not have to actually see trial. Yeah. So he, during this hearing, this was the plea uh, deal hearing, right? If I don't, I don't know the terminology, but it was a hearing for him Mm -hmm. to plead uh, what what he was going to plead. And he ended up pleading guilty to everything he was charged with. Mm -hmm. Plus admission to crimes that they knew he did but didn't charge him with so he admitted 
to crimes that he'll never be charged with, but he did that to save, it was just interesting to save himself from the death penalty, which I don't understand. Just um, take the death penalty, man. Well, I think he doesn't want to do the death penalty because the living conditions in the prison, if you're on death row, are much worse than if you're in Gen Pop. And he probably is going to have some sort of protection anyways because of who he is. Um, yeah, okay. I guess that explains it. I didn't understand why he wouldn't just take the death penalty. But yeah, so he pleaded guilty to everything. Because he's going to die in prison either way. But yeah. this way his living situation will, I'm assuming, be better. Now, I don't know. Um, so I'm asking you, Did they didn't sentence him yet, but they did mention 11 life sentences, which is what he could get or what he is going to get. Is that part of the deal? Do you know? I don't know. Um, so there, there was the judge mentioned eleven life sentences, consecutive life sentences. He has to register as a sex offender. He can never own a firearm. Obviously, he's which it's be in like prison. why are the, why obviously he- I think legally they have to say that. But yeah, so that fucker pleaded guilty. The the surviving um, family members of his victims were there. That was incredibly heart wrenching to watch them stand up while he said guilty or um, admit. He said guilty and he had said admit. Uh, admit to it mm-hmm. um yeah he was you know acting like he could not hear the questions and didn't understand the questions he was acting like very confused um so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out I'm hoping that we can get some psychology behind him as a predator as a serial rapist as a serial killer I really um am fascinated with the psychology behind someone who behaves that way. And why is he someone who doesn't want to have the notoriety that some serial killers do? Maybe it's because his dick's so small. (laughs) You know what? I was a little disappointed they didn't mention that. I read Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and it was a very great book. And um, because it was an open case when she wrote it, the details just weren't in it. And I'm thankful for that because they really released a lot of details that we didn't know. And it was very dark that like he just did not give any fucks. No, he's a piece of shit. Um, So, yeah. Anyways, that was big in true crime news. And I we like had to talk about it. I've been like dying to talk to you about it. Yeah, Um, because. We've been interested in this case for, I, I feel like this is kind of like, what was it like um, two years ago in 2018 where we really kind of started to like talk about true crime together mm-hmm. and then Michelle McNamara's book and then that kind of got the idea of, you know, happy hour gets weird. Yeah. It was the Golden State Killer case. Yeah. And obviously Paul Holes because. Yeah. Let's credit Paul Holes, not GSK with our talks. Let's say we were just talking about Paul Holes. I like that better. Well, we were talking about <laughs> Paul Holes because about the GSK case really is the first true crime case that we talked about together. Mm-hmm. You have always liked true crime. I have always liked true crime, but separately, you know? Yeah. And this is a case that kind of brought us together. Mm-hmm. And we really bonded over um, how physically attractive and smart Paul Holes is mm-hmm. and um, like what a crusader he is for victims. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what kind of. That's the backstory, I guess. That's an answer to a question nobody fucking asked. That's the origin story you were all <laughs> dying to hear. Anyways, okay. Let's get into the episode. And we are ending this series with a paranormal episode. Yay, Yay finally. So 
we are going to talk about some of the haunted places in LA. And I um, focused mostly on bars just because I like the idea of a haunted bar. Um, and we're an alcohol podcast. Yeah. And we both worked at a bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've cleaned a bar at three in the morning by myself and it is creepy without ghosts. Yeah, I'm typically afraid of not ghosts when I'm at the bar alone. Yeah. That's um, the least of my worries. So I can't imagine adding a ghost on top of that. Unless that ghost is going to roll the silverware. Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. If there's one thing I could have a ghost do, it would be mop that fucking floor that we had to mop. Or wipe down all the sticky bottles. I mean, if a ghost is going to be there, just help. I would say pull your own weight, but that's not anything. So pull my own weight, ghost. Uh, You could restock the bottle beer. Ooh. That's a good one. Uh, Cutting limes. Change the kegs. Oh, I actually like changing the kegs. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was kind of, it was like an individual strong woman competition, <laughs> you know, but like cutting lime wheels and like oranges yeah. and all that fucking bullshit. That you walk in the walk tunnel. in, there's two ghosts making out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I would be into it. <laughs> so my sources for this episode, like last episode were, uh, is Gourmet Ghost 2 by James T. Bartlett. Really good book. A lot of information. I read number two and I want to read number one mm-hmm. there. Um, I recommend it. And Wikipedia, I just kind of like fact check some of the like opening dates and closing dates or whatever. Um, so just random Wikipedia pages that aligned with the places on here. So we're going to start first with something that is iconic in Hollywood, but I feel like it's iconic not even in the United States, but like globally, Mm -hmm. it's probably one of the most recognizable things in the world. And that is the Hollywood sign. Yes. So it was commissioned to be made to London-born LA transplant sign maker, Thomas Fisk Goff. The sign was originally meant to be up for only a year and a half, advertising the land for sale at the base of the Hollywood Hills. Originally, it was outlined in light bulbs to allure potential buyers, and it read Hollywoodland, which was yeah, which was the name of the development. Mm -hmm. Finished in 1923, and by the time a year had passed, the Stein stood for so much more than a housing development. It stood for glamour, fame, and money. So they decided to take off the land because they wanted it to stand for the area mm-hmm. um and not the housing development and the rest is history but i'm going to give you a couple bits of history in 1940 the caretaker of the sign who was drinking on the job lost well, i con- mean <laughs> his I mean, job's taking care of a sign yeah so. I, would, I would drink too. <laughs> uh he lost control of his car on the cliff behind the sign oh shit and drove into the h wrecking his car and the h he wasn't hurt the Hollywood sign trust denies this, though, <laughs> claiming it was the wind. <laughs> the wind blew his car into a sign. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It's not really paranormal, but I thought it was kind of a funny story because nobody got hurt, you know, just yeah. the H. And just literally saying the wind. <laughs> it did was it. the wind. <laughs> it was the wind. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought I, I chuckled. But by 1979, the sign was in a poor state. It was actually the most dilapidated it had ever been. A mixed bunch of celebrities donated to have the sign repaired 
at $27,700 per letter. Oh, shit. Yeah. And those celebrities included Hugh Hefner and Alice Cooper. It was like a ragtag bunch of like random nice. celebrities that came together. Yeah. Thanks, Hugh. Although the symbol stood for glitz and glamour, the sign experienced the darker side of Hollywood. In 1932, Millicent Lillian and Twistle, an aspiring actress, climbed to the top of the H and fell to her death deliberately. Oh my god. At the base, she left her shoes, jacket, purse, and a note which read, I'm afraid. I'm a coward. I'm sorry for everything. If I had done this a long time ago, it would have saved a lot of pain. P.E. Which she went by Peg, which I don't know how that matches with Millicent, but I guess it does. It works. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. I know. The LA Times published her suicide note. Oh, yeah, classy bunch of reporters. <laughs> um, she was upset about her waning film career. She had seen some success on, on um, in theater, but just film career. Her film career didn't exactly work out. But it is said that her spirit haunts the H of the Hollywood sign. Some people have reported smelling a heavy scent of gardenias, which was her signature perfume mm. scent, and an article in Vanity Fair. A regular jogger reported the strong scent of gardenias after which they saw a blonde woman by the H and she looked as if she was walking on air. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <gasps> I want to go there. Yeah. It's highly protected now. So don't even try. You'll get arrested. You know what? Um, Griffith You Park. always ruin my best ideas. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's guarded by um, police and also officials at Griffith Park. And that's actually probably a good idea. Uh, because of, well, it happened because in the 80s, people were allowed to walk up on it and some um, people were killed because they fell. Sorry for the chewing in the machine of cherries during editing. Oh, God, I don't know how you did Eat those. They're like literal sugar testicles. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds delicious. Sugar testicles. Yes. Maraschino. That's what they should have called them instead of maraschino cherries. It's easier to say. Sugar testicles. And spell. <laughs> It's just like a guy with cherries for bowls on the jar label. Oh my gosh, she's probably one of those. Um, hey, what's the space between like, um, your gooch? Not well, <laughs> yeah, but that's like what everybody calls it. But like, what do doctors call it? Your per- perennial, per- perennium, perennium, perennial. The kind of plants it. Well, <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> What if I just went to Home Depot and was like, perennium? I'd like to get some perennium flowers, some perennium plants for my front yard. And they probably would call the police. Um, so, yeah, it would probably just be one of those guys who, you know how that, it's like a new trend where you like sun your perennium. Uh, that's a new trend? Like yes. the new dick pic? Yes. it's a, No, you don't send it to anybody. You just bend over or you lay in the sun and it's supposed to be like invigorating. Like the vitamin D goes straight to your balls. It's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Was that on Goop? (laughs) She's like, while your wife is shoving one of these jade eggs up her pussy, go tan your perineum. (laughs) You know, it probably is on Goop, actually. We should check it out. All right. So our first bar that we're on this uh, pub crawl, if you will. Holly Weird Pub Crawl. Yes. um, Goes by the name The Frolic Room. Love it. Located on Hollywood Boulevard, it operated as a speakeasy during Prohibition. 
a true dive bar with loyal celebrity patrons, it's said that Frank Sinatra would record an album down the street and bring the fresh vinyl to the frolic room and play it while he drank. Oh my gosh. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland was a regular at some point, and Charles Bukowski, the famous writer, was also a local patron who went there. He also went to a lot of bars <laughs> I found in LA. And the Frolic Room is reportedly the last place Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, oh was seen alive. So on record, she was apparently dropped off at the Biltmore Hotel. Mm-hmm. Like on record, that's where she was last seen. Mm-hmm. But people also say that she went from the Biltmore to the Frolic Room and had a drink with a man who she met there and then left. And then she was never seen alive again. George Hodel. I I would not be surprised. I would love to talk to the bartender. Oh, my God. And, who's been there for 20 years. And she knows bartenders that were bartending there in the 40s. Oh, my God. Um, so I would love to have a conversation there. But is the frolic room haunted? According to longtime bartender Gita, she has had a number of experiences that left her feeling uneasy. She remembered a bartender from the 40s telling her that while he was wiping down the bar, a full handprint appeared. Another time, footprints appeared out of nowhere on the floor covered in discarded peanut shells. So the, there was like clear mm-hmm. footprints. The women's restroom door violently shook as if somebody was locked in and trying to get out. But when she went to check, there was nobody in the bathroom. The door to the liquor closet is also known to violently shake. Once an artist was painting a mural and was so terrified of sounds of banging coming from the upstairs, she began to cry. The bartender wanted her to get the mural done and just told her it was a compressor, which was a total lie. I don't know how I'd feel about that. Trickery. (laughs) Well, the ghost isn't going to hurt you. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Unless it's that That one one time time where you're possessed by a demon. Yes. And the bowl. The the ghost takes control of your body. (laughs) And then you start to make pottery and hang out with Whoopi Goldberg. The ghost did not take control of his body. Whoopi's body, yeah. He went into her and talked to Demi Moore as him. But when they did the pottery, he wasn't in Whoopi's body. It was just his ghost body. That would have actually been a better storyline. <laughs> Demi Moore and Whoopi making love. Yes. And then he's like hovering above them. Yes. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Author F.J. Lennon wrote about his supernatural experience at the frolic room he went up to play the jukebox and he came back to his bar stool only to find somebody else's reflection looking back at him in the mirror behind the bar oh shit quote a chubby faced guy with a thick bushy mustache and a bald dome with a ring of hair sounds like a looker is this just one of those moments when you look in the mirror and realize you're getting old (laughs) Probably, he probably would just like, like, who is this old fucker looking at me? He wasn't quite drunk yet. And he was like, oh, oh, sorry. Saw a ghost there. (laughs) It's funny you should say that because nobody else has seen faces in the mirror. (laughs) 
Oh, gosh. I hate when I have to make up a ghost experience when I see myself <laughs> in the mirror and I look like total garbage. There's no way that's me. This place is fucking haunted. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that is a frolic room, which I need to go there. It's still I, open, I believe. I think that after next year, road trip yeah, to Hollywood and we will do this pub crawl. Yes. Bar crawl. Um, so this one is probably one of my favorites. Okay called El Carmen. On West 3rd Street, El Carmen was opened in 1929 by Encarnacion Gomez. Planning to return to Mexico and reunite with her husband in 1927, but before she could get there, he was executed in Mexico City. (gasps) The widow, broke and determined to make it, she pawned her jewelry and opened El Carmen. Not soon after she opened, the depression hit. Oh, no. But the depression was no match for Mama, as she was called. Her warm welcome and fantastic food was unparalleled. In fact, two Hollywood directors, Cecil B. DeMille and D.W. Griffith, helped keep the doors open just by regularly sitting at the counter and eating her food. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Diego Rivera, which is Frida Kahlo's husband... Visited. Singer Mario Lanza visited. They were all regulars, actually. Mm-hmm. Choreographer Busby Berkeley was a regular. Actors Vincent Price and John Wayne were all regulars. I love John Wayne. I know, me too. Her food was so good that Jimi Hendrix, sick in his hotel room, called and ordered enchiladas to go. Oh, my gosh. Mick Jagger said that he hated L.A. except for El Carmen, where, quote, a crazy Mexican lady walks around with a spoon behind her ear and tastes everyone's food, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my favorite tidbit about El Carmen. Fleetwood Mac looking to add Lindsay and his then-girlfriend, the amazing, wonderful, beautiful Stevie Nicks, to the band, met at El Carmen to talk about joining the band. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay at El Carmen said, I'm in, but Stevie comes with me. We're a package deal. Turns out he was a total piece of shit boyfriend, uh, but she got him back with a breakup song. (laughs) And then then the band broke up, and then they got back together, and then he had to sing the actual song on tour about himself being a piece of shit boyfriend. (laughs) That's kind of amazing. Stevie Nicks is a legend. Yes. So... Fleetwood Mac later said about the night at El Carmen, quote, there was magic in the air and we all felt it. We also got drunk on margaritas, end quote. Well, the magic was actually Stevie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's like magic wherever she goes. (laughs) El Carmen is said to be the place that the combo meal was started. Oh. Yeah. But enough about food and rock stars. Let's get to the hauntings. Paige, a bartender reported getting ready for her shift when the jukebox turned off by itself, which she said never happens. It's on a separate power source. It's always on. Mm -hmm. It never turns off. And randomly it just turned off and she thought maybe it was a glitch. She went over and the off switch was actually off. Weird. Yeah, she thought that was really weird. Then she mentioned a candy jar in the office. Sometimes when she would go to sign out, 
she would grab her purse and her jacket, which were across the room from the office, and she would notice in her purse were a couple pieces of placed candy from the candy jar that she did not put in there. Staff members report seeing strange shadows, boxes falling from shelves, and feel cold drafts throughout the restaurant and bar. Aunt Martha, Mama's stepdaughter, ran the restaurant before it was sold. She was said to keep a candy jar by the till and offer candy when employees left for the day. Ooh. Mm-hmm. She passed away in 2008, but it's possible she's still offering candy to employees when they leave. Oh my gosh, I love that. Also, they have over 200 tequilas. Ooh, I love that more. I mean, Mexican food and tequila is mother's milk. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> So I wrote down, I know where I'm going after quarantine. No shit. Yeah. Tequila, Mexican food, and ghosts Ghosts? give you candy? Seriously. (laughs) What more could you ask for? I know. They think that Encarnacion could have, they think that she's passed on, Mm -hmm. like she wouldn't come back there, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they do think um, some of the employees and the family members think that that Martha, Aunt Martha, was kind of feisty. So, And she was really upset when they sold the restaurant Mm -hmm. in 2003. So they think maybe she kind of, her spirit came back there and just kind of like watches over the place and gives out candy. So that's a kind of ghost I can share a space with. Definitely. So the next bar on our pub crawl is Tom Bergen's Tavern. On South Fairfax in L.A., and one of only a few Irish pubs in L.A., but one of the most famous Irish pubs in the country, Tom's was opened in 1936. And the official name in 1936 was Tom Bergen's Old Horseshoe Tavern and Thoroughbred Club. They dropped most of the name, but kept the horseshoe-shaped bar. Allegedly, Tom's inspired writers to create one of the most iconic bars in show business. Any guesses? Cheers. Oh. Les and Glenn Charles felt Tom's was a place, quote, where everyone knows your name. That's so cool. It is cool. Famous patrons like Kiefer Sutherland, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cary Grant, Ronald Reagan, Cary Grant, John Wayne, Bing Crosby all had a hand-painted shamrock inside the bar, which is kind of a big deal. That's so, so I'm told. cool. Yeah. Now to the haunted bits. In 1980, a regular quietly passed away in her favorite chair at the bar. Usually, she was there past closing, so it wasn't out of the ordinary that she was still there while the staff closed for the night. But unbeknownst to them, she wasn't going anywhere but straight to heaven because I think she was an angel. (laughs) She sounded pretty lovely. (laughs) The new owner feels like Tom himself still watches over the pub. Quote from the new owner, Soon after I had bought the bar and was working there alone, I felt the essence of smoke right where Tom used to sit at the bar. The smell of smoke has also been smelled by others. Bartenders have seen him, and it's a no-smoking bar, obviously, mm-hmm. so that's, that's like kind of out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Bartenders have seen a man in a three-piece suit sitting by the fireplace, and many a bartender has quit because of what they've seen or heard. Some even heard a phantom whisper their name. That is, no, thank you. I'm out. I quit. I'm out. (laughs) You don't even have to pay me unemployment. I'm fucking out. (laughs) But the most noticeable haunting 
can be seen in the neon sign. They, the new owner got a new neon sign and it's mostly white neon except for Tom's name in neon green. Mm-hmm. And it's all in one electrical circuit. It's not run separately. And most of the sign is continuous, non-blinking. However, sometimes when Tom's is slow, the neon green part, Tom's name, blinks and flashes and they cannot figure out how it's happening. Maybe it's Tom himself ushering us in for his famous Irish coffee. That's what I think it is. I think it is too. That's so cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Next bar on our pub crawl is the King King Eddie Saloon on East 5th Street, opened in 1906, and it was a speakeasy during Prohibition. Now, this was a perfect place for a speakeasy. Because it had a 133-foot tunnel underneath the bar connecting it to maintenance tunnels in downtown L.A. So bootleggers could sneak the liquor in. And then it was a perfect speakeasy. Even, like, the authorities looked the other way and even went there themselves. Like, it was a... (laughs) It was a pretty good speakeasy. The cops were like, I really need a drink as well. Yeah. So it is also... Now, I can fact check this anywhere, but according to King Eddie, fact schmax, <laughs> uh, this bar boasts one of the oldest liquor licenses in LA. No, oh, probably. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have very many ghost stories, but what it lacks in quantity makes up for in quality. So, the King Eddie Saloon has a vanishing hitchhiker story. <gasps> yes. It said that one female patron asked for a ride to East L.A. Along the way, the man who gave her a ride gave his coat for her to wear. As they passed the Evergreen Cemetery in Boyle Heights, one of the oldest cemeteries in L.A., Mm -hmm. she jumped out of the car. (gasps) He freaked out and he pulled the car over and chased after her into the cemetery. But it seemed as if she had vanished. But it wasn't until he came across a grave with his coat draped over the headstone. And he noticed that her name was etched into that headstone. Oh my God, I have chills. I just got chills. So I don't know if this is like an urban legend, an urban legend or if this really happened. Or if this man's a murderer. <laughs> and it, it's actually he dug that grave for her. <laughs> Um, he was very, she actually stole the coat and, and as revenge, he fucking dug her a grave. But I thought it was a really cool story. That is such a good story. I mean, who doesn't love. That's a campfire story. Yes. Who doesn't love the vanishing hitchhiker? that's a good one. So I thought that was pretty good too. So I included that one. The next pub on our crawl is Tam O'Shanter, located on Las Feliz Boulevard in L.A., in 1922, the Tam O'Shanter was designed after a Scottish cottage. It gives very Hansel and Gretel vibes, which I know they weren't Scottish. They were... Eaten. By a witch. <laughs> um, but it's very like Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, I get it. Um, That's cool. So, Walt Disney was famous for eating and drinking there. Mm. Yes. Sometimes he preferred to sit at table 31, which you can still sit at, but needs a reservation. 
Um, and sometimes, quite most of the time, actually most of the time, he preferred to sit at the bar, which I don't know who doesn't prefer to sit at the bar. Like, no friend of mine prefers to sit at a table. I'd rather sit Unless at a bar. Unless they're eating a lot, a lot of food. Unless they're ordering multiple items and they just want to spread it all out. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, okay, I, okay, I could get that, but yeah. Um, I prefer to eat and drink at the bar, too. Basically the same person, me and Walt Disney. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, you and Walt Disney have so much in common. We do have so much in common. <laughs> Gosh, except for bountiful wealth <laughs> and a great mustache. Actually, I have a good mustache. Your mustache rivals. Yes, I, I have a good mustache. Yes, okay. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, you're right. So other celebrities came in, including Fatty Arbuckle, Mary Pickford, and a young John Wayne. Okay, I love John Wayne even more mm-hmm. for the simple fact that he was a quote-unquote regular at legit every single bar I'm in LA. not even kidding you. He went to every <laughs> single bar in LA. This is if I was famous anywhere. I would also be a regular at every single bar, and they'd be like, there's only so many hours in the day. How does she do it? And I would just tell them, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> um, it was jokingly known as Fox Studios Commissary. Because oh, a funny. lot of like people from yeah. the studio and Walt and um, Disney went there to like eat, drink, and stuff. What a fun place to work! Yeah. So, is a Tam O'Shanter haunted? A child ghost nicknamed Charlie. Oh, I don't like that. After a British royal, with the same resemblance, has often been seen in the Bonnie Prince Charlie room. A group of phantom diners has also been seen sitting at one of the tables, like a whole group of phantom diners. That's cool. I know. And an old man is often seen walking past the private dining room door. And it is said that a woman who died while eating her dinner still haunts table 13. This is too spicy. (laughs) (laughs) She pulled a book out of uh, Dumb and Dumber. Um, so that was a Tam O'Shanter. I think it'd be really fun to check out. I don't know if it's open still, mm-hmm. um, but that would be a fun place to go. go. I hope me. it's still open. I, some of these close and open and close and open. Yeah. I'm sure right now most of them are closed. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously temporarily closed, but I'm saying I hope it's not permanently closed. I would hope that some of these fantastic bars that have been around for this long would be somewhat protected I think they're um iconic some of them are in downtown LA so it's a little seedy these days mm-hmm. I think um like the frolic room is pretty um in a seedy area yeah um but I think that's still open I can uh, I'm gonna post pictures of all of these too yes please do on our super popular Instagram I yes guess. maybe on the lesser popular Twitter <laughs> for now <laughs> um so our last one on our pub crawl is we're going a little bit out, out of town. Okay. This one is called Sportsman Bar. It's on Ventura Boulevard in Studio City. Mm-hmm. And it opened in 1880. And it was... 1880? A, yes. Oh, shit. Yes. Okay. And it was originally named Hollywood Trout Farm in Trout Lakes. Okay. Yeah. Pretty alluring. Not. <laughs> alluring trout. Was oh. that a pun? Was that a dad joke? Unintentional pun. <laughs> Unintentional pun. 
And it was called that because it was close to San Fernando's Valley River and you could actually catch fish there. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. At the height of Old Hollywood, the Sportsman Lodge had a man-made pond that was stocked with trout. And you could catch a trout and bring it to the kitchen for fresh dinner. That is seriously a really fun, even like now, that's a really fun idea. Yeah. So are you ready for this list of Old Hollywood heavy hitters? Is it just a bunch of fish? Yes. Okay. (laughs) The whale from Free Willy. (laughs) The dolphin from Flipper. Finding Memo. Finding Nemo's great, 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 great grandfish was known. They were all regulars and also John Wayne. (laughs) Okay. So, gosh, we're killing it with the fish jokes. Um, So, Clark Gable... Humphrey Bogart. Oh, my God. Fucking John Wayne. Of course. These are regular <laughs> in every bar in LA. Are all said to have taught their children how to fish here. Oh, my God. That's so cool. I want to cool? go. Wait, I is know. it still open? Do you know? It is. Oh, my God. I believe it is. Fantastic. I'm obsessed with this. This is a great idea. Yeah. Tallulah Bankhead. Fucking Betty Davis. Spencer Tracy. Catherine Hepburn. Lauren fucking Bacall. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm about, listening. About old Hollywood. I'm um, listening. Spencer Tracy and Catherine, Catherine, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn were like an item. Yes. I don't know. I Catherine Hepburn's like not one of my favorites. So I, I'm like, don't know anything I'm about her. I'm pretty sure. But Lauren Bacall and Betty Davis. I fucking love Betty Davis. Yeah. And I love Lauren Bacall too. Um, so all those and others hung out mm-hmm. at Sportsman's Bar. Mm-hmm. They all And hung- John Wayne. Yeah. Like all these people were in all these things together and old Hollywood was so different than now because there was like 10 super famous celebrities. Mm -hmm. Whereas now there's like 15,000 and you don't even know people's names half the time. And you're like, oh, that's that guy that was in that thing with that other guy and that thing. And then, yeah, it's like back then, like two episodes ago, I'm like, remember that guy with the Muppets and he's tall and he's handsome. Yeah. And but back then there, it was just like such a limited because the celebrities worked for the studios the studios Mm -hmm. so there was just a very like intensified star stardom basically yes because the studios obviously only wanted those people in their movies over and over and over yes just just me talking about nothing sorry uh no I love it no I love it (laughs) um actually John Wayne I really like John Wayne I I feel like my impression really sealed the deal with my husband is it good I mean, do it. No, do it. I would never. Come on, Pilgrim. (laughs) (laughs) John Wayne is my dad's favorite actor, and he has every single one of his movies on VHS. Okay. Mind you. So John Wayne, every time I think of John Wayne, and this is going to be kind of sad, but it's actually not very sad. So my uncle Mm -hmm. um, was killed in a freak work accident. Mm -hmm. It was just his anniversary. And he was a huge fan of John Wayne. Mm-hmm. He was buried with his John Wayne DVDs. Oh my God. In that's his casket. So cool. That's how much he loved him. Yeah. My dad loves him too. He was a, I mean, he, he he's was, iconic. He's great. Yeah. I, I, I think when he, I was a kid, my favorite was uh, true grit and oh I loved my. the remake as well, but that was my favorite when I was a kid. Cause it had a little girl in it. A little girl, yeah. girl in it. Yeah. I, um, used to tell my husband, Hey, they're a little sister. <laughs> Is this before or after you threw the old muffins out of your bed for sex? We have a very strange relationship dynamic. 
So in your guys' uh, role-playing, you're John Wayne and he's the little sister? Okay, first of all, I never said that. I said it during sex. You just assumed. Yeah, it makes, because it fits. No. It fits. No. Also, I... my little brother's name is Jake because of Big Jake. <gasps> really? I wasn't cool enough to get named after Jenny John Wayne movies. <laughs> like, I could be right now. Wayne. Wayne. It's with you. It's all right. It's I think, with you. I think that I was named after Breakfast at Tiffany's, so I'll take it. Were you? That's the that's the rumor. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful um, tribute! I was named after a soap opera star in the eighties. So all these stars that hung out together, mm-hmm. they all hung out at the Sportsman Bar, and this is what just one of the things they did, which is like so fucking cool, is they just hung around the pond picnicking picnicking and drinking cocktails oh my god this is my fucking dream okay if I could time travel to any time I would just go back to this moment yeah well I even wrote in here this seems like a pretty cool place but will Tiffany's opinion change for the better after the haunting stories (laughs) I'm gonna like it even more (laughs) I think you will because these I save the best for last in my opinion okay and these hauntings are like kind of fucking freaky (laughs) okay so, in 1968, mm-hmm. actress Mildred Beebe committed suicide after attempting to murder her husband, <gasps> who stole $45,000 from her. Let me tell you, I'd try to kill his ass, too. Damn. She laid in bed after taking 14 capsules of barbiturates, mm-hmm. but she was kind enough to lay out a three-piece white dress. Mm-hmm. Along with a note that read, please bury me in this, a mortician's business card, and info on her reserved burial plot. She was very thoughtful. Yes. And she also um, left the keys to her safe deposit box. Okay. I feel like her husband was a dick because she seems like a very thoughtful person. Yeah. I mean, I think that he might have deserved an attempted murder. Thankfully, he made it out alive, but he obviously drove Mildred insane. Yeah. I'm on Team Mildred. Team Mildred. Me too. All the way. Well, let's talk about her possible ghost. Okay. She's a little, she's a bitter Betty. <laughs> okay. Um, so despite kind of the awful name, I feel like the name could be better to this place, um, and the terrible suicide of Mildred seems like a pretty cool place Mm -hmm. now like I said is it going to be cooler in Tiffany's opinion because of the ghost sightings Mm -hmm. we shall see okay I'll be the judge of that (laughs) because I am Tiffany (laughs) so these are reviews that Bartlett got from weirdcalifornia.com okay guest by the name of Susan Mm -hmm. that's quotes because her name probably wasn't Susan reported that she was awoken by her screaming husband who said that there was an unseen entity pushing him down into the mattress. Oh, shit. Apparently, he also had marks on his neck (gasps) for a few days after. Oh, my God. She didn't like him. I wonder if he resembled her husband or if he was just a well-known dick. Oh, my God. This is good. One point, Team Mildred. (laughs) I wrote, 
it was probably Susan trying to kill her husband. <laughs> and she got caught and had to come up with a ghost cover story. So if you ever start to strangle your husband in his sleep, put on your uh, your ghost your ghost face mask yes. first. Okay. So have you ever, side note, have you ever seen those videos where like wives slap their husbands in their sleeps and they wake up and they're like, what? And the wife's like, what? Oh, what are you doing? Go back to sleep. Oh my gosh. I've always wanted to do that. My husband snores, so I rotisserie turn him in the bed all night. <laughs> and then sometimes if it's like enough is enough, I'll just kind of like hit him with a pillow and then lay back down. <laughs> you just stick something like. I need to. I have to keep rolling him. You know what you to need to get is like a little feathery cat toy with a long stick. and just Or go, just literally rotisserie him <laughs> like a turkey. Just clean out your closet <laughs> and he just goes to sleep on a rotisserie in your closet. And you just like a Hawaiian pig cookout. Yeah. So they were freaked out, mm-hmm. obviously, and they asked to move to a new room for the next night. Because ghosts cannot ever walk through walls. Well, Susan learned the hard way. Oh, shit. So the next night, Susan's granddaughter was scared by something or someone pulling her hair while she was bathing. <gasps> Ooh, that's creepy. Imagine your- I just got the tip. Ooh, imagine like your hair going zoop and like yes. lifting. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, man. And they, then John Wayne goes, hey there, little sister. <laughs> I'm just kidding. John Wayne would never do that. I love him. <laughs> um, sh- they asked again to move. At that point, I'd just be like, you I'm out. You can't just keep moving. It's a haunted hotel. Or- I'm out. Well, so it's a bar and hotel. It's like a resort. Yeah, it's like a resort. Okay. Yeah, so I would um, just be fucking out of there. Don't need our stuff. We'll buy new stuff. Like, just get in the car. Let's go. And at that point, for the second time they asked to move, the employees were like, dude, it's haunted. They're going to, you're going to, you can't go anywhere. Yeah. Like, it's haunted. It's so. true. This happened recently. Like, as recent, it's like in the last decade. Now, I'm wondering, this story has me wondering if it was a ghost problem or like a Susan problem. Yeah, like if you always smell shit wherever you go, check your shoe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, Susan. So I'm like, is Susan like the, what Karen is these days was like Susan, the old Karen. That's, Susan's real name was Karen. Yes. So I'm like, maybe this was a Susan problem. But then... There was other reports. Okay. So Roxana, another guest, mm-hmm. reported a similar experience being choked by oh something pressing her down on her mattress. And this was in July of 2013. This is so free. That's a very terrifying way to wake up. Yeah. She also reported an elderly lady with short blonde hair pointing at her. <gasps> Mildred. Mildred. It was Mildred. Yeah. So... Another guest by the name of Kathleen, Mm -hmm. also in July of 2013, said an elderly woman tapped her on the shoulder and said, Kathleen, it's time to get up. Ooh. Time to get up and get the fuck out of here. That's where I'm going. Kathleen wrote in the guest book, quote, I'm glad we only stayed one night. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, I think it's Mildred. Probably. And I still I want to go more now. I knew you so fucking would. So I, I, my vote is go Mildred. You, you're cool. 
You're great. I knew you'd I love want to you. go more. And the chance- also, yeah, I think we should go. But I feel like the chances of me being the one choked. And You're going to be the-, the one choked. And I'm going to wake up and I'm going to grab my phone and I'm going to record it. And then immediately after a good two minutes of recording, I will protect you and save you. <laughs> but we have to document this. Yeah. So that is where I'm going to. Uh, that's where I'm going to end things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, this, there's like a plethora of hauntings in L.A. Yeah, it's an old city. I loved it. I love doing this episode. This is really fun. I want to go to every single place except for Sportsman's Bar because I'm not about to get choked by a ghost. Well, you have to go with me. That's fine. I'll it's sleep in the car. P- it's part of the pod. It's part of our podcast. Okay, we can we can go there and stay the night there. That's fine. I mean, you can choose look, Cecil or this uh, Sportsman's Bar. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> okay, so Mildred can choke me as long as she buys me dinner first. Okay. <laughs> That's all that we ask, Mildred. I, I, you know, actually, I just need like a cocktail. Even I don't like even... an appetizer. Mm-hmm. Appetizer and some a cocktail. Fried potato skins or some fucking nachos. I, I'm good to go with the choking. <laughs> okay. Our safe word. Our safe word is John Wayne. <laughs> so, I really like gourmet ghosts too. I'm gonna get gourmet ghosts. Yeah, that's a fun book. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. because we live. I mean, we don't live local local but we live in California so it's so fun to think like find these places and then you know one day once the world gets back to a better version of normal yeah um we could go and visit these places and have a little backstory and that would be such such a fun trip yeah the reason I like this book too is Bartlett actually went to these places and talked to the people working there yeah what a fucking great job I know so he had firsthand uh or secondhand conversations you know Mm -hmm. not firsthand experiences but secondhand conversations Mm -hmm. he got a feel of the place and then there's also um, at the end of the book, there is a couple conversations that like people there overheard him asking about ghosts. So they're like, hey, my name's Cody and I've seen a ghost. Mm-hmm. So he has like a couple stories like that. And if he didn't, like if nobody working there was like, oh, yeah, I see ghosts all the time. He got uh, did research through weirdcalifornia.com mm-hmm. and also a L.A. based ghost hunting society. Um, so I will link both of those in our description, the book Mm -hmm. and then the ghost hunting society website. I don't remember the name. I'm sorry. And then also weird California. So great job. Uh, thank you so much. It was so much fun. I want to do another, like a part two to this in the future, but it was really fun to like research a paranormal history Mm -hmm. of a city. Yeah. So it was, it was really, it was cool. Paranormal stories are my jam. Yeah. And That's where I, I'm at. I, feel, I feel like these were good, legitimate stories. Totally. Yes. You know, yeah. like there was details. It was. Which like, if you ever do any sort of paranormal research, it's sometimes hard. Yeah. I would love to go there and have a drink and be like, Hey, so you see any ghosts? Yeah. You know, any spooky stories you want to share? Friend? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you been <laughs> In a consensual SM relationship with a ghost lately? Just this is my normal <laughs> this is my normal uh ice breaking questions. So no big deal. <laughs> and on that note, thank you so, so much for listening. Yes. We really, really appreciate it. And sometimes we forget to say thank you to our listeners and our bad. That's on us. Well, yeah, we're sitting here having a conversation. Yeah. And you forget to kind of think, oh, uh, we're actually recording this. Before we get to the the toast, sign off. the sign off, the toast that we do every time, um, I wanted to uh, talk about just mention something. 
when we say love yourself, lock your doors, light some sage, when we specifically say light some sage, we are talking about smoke cleansing, Mm -hmm. not to be confused with the very sacred Native American ritual of smudging. Mm-hmm. They're two totally separate things. Smoke, um, smoke cleansing has been around across the world for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Lots of different religions use it. The Catholic Church used incense for smoke cleansing. Mm-hmm. Um, pagan smoke offerings in me- medieval Europe. Even women in Asia sit over mugwort smoke for menstrual cramps. Ooh. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. interesting. Yeah. I might try it. Anyways, the point is, we are not getting it confused with smudging, which is very sacred. Um, and specifically in smudging in Native American rituals, they use white sage, mm-hmm. which is a very sacred medicinal herb. And I, out of respect for that um, closed religious practice, I do not use white sage. So we just wanted to make that clear that we yes. mean no disrespect to any sort of Native American rituals. We 100%, 100% are respectful Yes. Of I mean, it's your beliefs it's, and your rituals. Yes. It's very trendy right now. And I think people don't realize how sacred white sage is mm-hmm. actually big. It's white sage is almost to the point of endangered because it's native to Southern California and Northern Mexico. Mm-hmm. And because unethical practices um, for harvesting it are happening because it's such a trend to like smoke cleanse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like dwindling in the nature. So that's mm-hmm. another reason why I don't use white sage. I don't want to buy from um, an unethical source. Mm-hmm. I prefer actually rosemary. I It grows in my yard. It reminds you of Rosemary's Baby, one of your favorites. <laughs> yes. It makes um, sense. And then something I also use is a, is a cinnamon stick, which is like invigorating and it smells good. So when we say light some sage, we're talking about the sage from Trader Joe's. Yes. <laughs> or black sage or blue sage or clary sage. You know, we, we do never ever want to intentionally or knowingly disrespect a sacred practice from another culture ever, ever, ever. So I just wanted to put that out there. I'm sorry I didn't say it sooner, but when we say that we are not trying to disrespect anybody, anybody's culture. I think that it's hard for us because we know ourselves Mm -hmm. and we know that we would never want to disrespect anybody's faith or practices or rituals. Yeah. We're always trying to be very sensitive and very, um, respectful Mm -hmm. of other people. Mm -hmm. And I think because we know ourselves, we sometimes forget that the people that are listening don't know us. Exactly. So, yeah. So, and that's why I was like, oh, this is kind of important to say, this is our intention behind when we say light some sage. Yeah. And just like along that vein, I feel like getting to know other cultures and getting to know other people, you're going to practice, um, or adopt some practices from other, like yoga isn't traditionally Western. Yeah. You know, acupuncture isn't traditionally Western, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's how we share cultures with each other as we, you know, do these practices and adopt practices from other cultures. Obviously, if they're not closed, sacred, religious practices. And that's great ways to like learn and grow as a person and as a society. Yes. So on that note, I just wanted to say it's okay if you're drawn to something that's not traditionally in your culture, but please please be respectful and please educate yourself on the practice and the significance and the people behind it who invented it and how um, significant it is to their culture at the very least. Don't just do it because it's trendy and you want to post it on Instagram. That's so gross. 
Yeah. There's a lot of gross people out there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We need to. Welcome to 2020. (laughs) We need to stage them with some Trader Joe's stage. (laughs) Um, Anyways, so don't forget to love yourself. Lock your doors. And let some sage. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. 